Hello and welcome to Gameography Episode 1. I'm your host, Matthew Marco, and with me is Jackson Tyler. Hello. And uh, this is your Abnormal Mapping Podcast for the month, but uh, we're here to do something different. This is our very special episode, the inaugural edition of Gameography. Happy to be here, Jackson. Very. <laughs> yes, on this Super Bowl evening. <laughs> Good. Um... If you saw our mini-podcast a couple weeks ago, or if you check the website at abnormalmapping.com, you can find our post introducing Gameography, where we talked about how we wanted to do all of the games of a game maker that we liked and respected, and uh, play through them all and then talk about them, and that's why we're here today. Yep. Let's do this. Oh, we're just going to get into it? No intro? Oh, we, uh, sure. Do you wanna, well, we, People only get to hear from us once a month. We Maybe some banter would be good. It's true. You got a PS3. Oh, shit, yeah. It's right here. It's pretty good. PS3 is a good time. I, I, you, are, you are now officially six years behind. Uh, yeah, and I've been using it to play Jack and Jack 2, so welcome to 2003, me. Those are bad. Well, Jack 2 is a bad video game. I should really stop doing that to myself. Yeah, why do you do that to yourself? Because I had got it into my head that I was like, well, I should go through and play most of these cool games in chronological order and have, I, you know, that stuff. And clearly I should play the old PS2 games before I play the... It's, it's a really bad thing to get into. Just play the games that are good and that you want to do. Don't be me. Okay, well, I'm not, because I don't plan to play Jack or Jack 2. Maybe Jack. Jack 1's fine. You are playing all the East games, though, so that's... yeah. But those are those are actually good for the most part. Yeah, so. but you're putting your completionist whatever, playing all the things to a better use than I am. It's true. So how does it feel to officially be a Sony fanboy now? Uh, feels really, really good. I guess what the DualShock Three controller is really great, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that that's bona fide card carrying Sony fanboy. I mean, I played it for Far Cry two, Far Cry three, and it was terrible. But then, why would I ever play Far Cry three again? So, it's fair. I'm fine. We we've already played two shooters. We don't need to ever play another one. Uncharted two. <laughs> We're not doing Uncharted two on this podcast. The Last of Us. I'm going to play The Last of Us. We're not doing it for this podcast. That's all the shooters. Uh, Killzone's a shooter. I'm literally. These are all the shooters I can remember right now. <laughs> on, on the- <laughs> I'm not just gonna list shooters. I was tempted to just give you a list of a bunch of shooters that nobody cares about, but nope, not gonna kill do it. switch. Oh god, don't start. We'll be here all night. Let's do the thing. Get everyone hyped for gameography because here we go. So as we talked about last podcast, we are doing the games of Christine Love. Uh, if you don't know, Christine Love is a game designer who primarily makes visual novels, uh, most known for Digital Love Story and Analog Hate Story, one of which is the, the latter, form of which is free, the latter of which you can find on Steam. You can find Christine Love on Twitter at Christine Love. You can find her website at Love Conquers All Games. It's .es in the games, though, like every other video game website these days, it seems like. Um, Wait, really? I th- feel like there's a lot of them. Okay. I don't know. There was, there was free indie jams. games. That's the True. one I was thinking of. Admittedly, that's, that's the point. only other example I have right now. But it's <laughs> enough of me. Fair, fair. So, uh, we have the full list on uh, on the website. But uh, let's just go through it real fast so everyone knows. If you Google any of these games, you're going to find links to them on the internet. Uh, 
So we have Cell Phone Love Letter, yep. Heart of Fire, mm-hmm. Sketchbook, Schoolgirls in Love and Other Sorted Heartbreak, mm-hmm. Digital A Love Story, Don't Take It Personally Babe, It Just Ain't Your Story, Analog A Hate Story, Diving Deeper, Even Cowgirls Bleed, Magical Maiden Madison, and Hate Plus. And I'm, I'll at least mention International Selfie Station because I think it's cool. International Selfie Station is really cool. Um, literally not a game. Despite the fact that we don't <laughs> say those things on this podcast. The one time I get to get away with it, though, I'm going to take it. Yeah, but it's more of a system, you see, than self-at-none. <laughs> <laughs> so the first game is uh, Cell Phone Love Letter, and uh, it's two stories. And the story, first story is a young girl who wants to be a comic artist, and her dramas, and uh, the story of her having a relationship with someone on the internet, and how that unfolds through emails as she's going through her life. And the second story is the person she's having those conversations with uh who turns out to be another girl uh might as well tell you up front there's gonna be full of spoilers uh probably so assume that we're just gonna talk frankly about every part of these games uh yeah i'm fairly sure we will because yeah they are very story heavy games yeah the the entire point of many of them is uncovering narratives through a various uis basically so yeah i'm gonna talk things and uh, so Cell Phone Love Letter is kind of this short, sweet uh, romance, really, about these two people finding each other uh, despite all of the hindrances of technology and what it is to like find your identity as a queer person. There's going to be a lot of that in the intervening oh, yeah. uh, games coming up. But uh, I really like Cell Phone Love Letter as a first game. I feel like it feels very first gamey. Yeah, no, it does. It's it's the most simple thing, but... I mean, I don't know if it feels more first gamey than Sketchbook, which is... Hmm, hang on. I mean, sure, but the uh, the thing that I was found really heartening and what encouraged me that we were doing the right thing is I feel like looking at that game, it seems like something that I could potentially make or anyone could potentially make if you put enough effort in. But you oh, yeah. also see a lot of the thematic groundwork that shows up in her other games that are things that I don't even know how you would put something like that together. You know, you can see where all the things that eventually blossomed into Don't Take It Personally, Babe kind of start in this one and also uh, Sketchbook. Yeah, because so much of the storytelling is done through emails and one character's perception of this communication. Um, interestingly, in the second character's story... Uh, the character's name Ichigo has this kind of subplot about this weird conspiracy theory that the government is using a pop idol to distract people from the Iraq war which is goofy but I feel like this idea of these conspiracies or these grand plans to socially manipulate people are things that show up much more concretely in later games (laughs) yeah yeah uh, especially Analog and Hate Plus are basically about that, ultimately. And digital, yeah, to an extent. And digital, in a much smaller w- way. And, actually, don't take it personally, babe, in a completely different way as well. Sure. Is entirely that. But I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the themes that we're probably going to be hitting on a lot in these games are the interface of 
the game is a you as a character or as the player interfacing with a te- an interface in the world of the game at the same time that you're actually playing the game. Um, mm-hmm. The I the slowly evolving uh, experience of defining different queer identities, especially people just realizing their identities, and then that sense of what it means to manipulate people in like a broad social sense. Uh, be that politically or technologically or socially will definitely be a recurring theme in all of her works. And all of that is here in a lot of ways in very nascent form, which is exactly what I was hoping that we would find playing games like this. Yeah. Just the fact that it's mostly just a visual novel with... It's a straight visual novel, but just the fact that Interfacing's cell phone love letter is just like a painted on cell phone signal and battery indicator, but it gives the sense of like interfacing with something real and like playing as the character. Because you can often have a disconnect in visual novels uh, with the character that you're playing as, and you know, because you're just clicking through text to find out their thoughts. But basically, this is the beginning of her use of interface as. In, as a way to make you empathize with the play, player character and their situation. Yeah. Uh, in the exact opposite direction is the next game, Heart of Fire, yes. which is clearly an experiment in trying to do something more systems-based in the framework of a visual novel, because it's still made in Ren-P, and so obviously a visual novel, but it's a JRPG with stats and an inventory and random battles and it's really weird it's clearly someone who's like I've made this visual novel how do I make things that are more games and adding battles to them and battle systems was basically the direction it's really odd yeah you said you died during it I didn't even know that was possible Gee, no, I, oh, it was hard. I died a bunch. Okay, because I, I actually ended up doing alright. Uh, no, I, I was really bad at it for some reason. Maybe I chose the wrong team. Maybe I, I Yeah, I kept... It, that game was hard. Uh, clearly, it, there's a way for it not to be, but I messed up. It's fine. I mean, it's, it's pretty short, uh, and the story is... It's fantasy. It's the only one that's fantasy, and I feel like because of it, it has kind of, a, kind of an unremarkable nature, because it's basically just orcs and, like, people in cloaks going on a quest and uh the story it tells is it's kind of interesting because it's these three characters and like two of them fall in love on the adventure and it's told in vignettes between your battles but it, the formalism just kind of crushes the entire thing because you spend mm-hmm. so much time fiddling in menus and trying to do things that clearly that kind of framework was never meant to do yep uh that it, it's it's an interesting experiment, especially uh, considering it's it's her most systems-based thing, at least so far. Uh, and we'll talk about her next game at the very end, because uh, it's going in a systems direction. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it, I feel like as an experiment, it's more interesting than good. I would, yeah, because just the, the battles and the way they link in with the story feels like... They don't mesh in any real way. Like the idea of having these characters that you care about more, and therefore wanting them to survive and stuff, is interesting. I think there's potential for the uh, visual novel JRPG type thing to work, but it's so unwieldy with the you know the actual engine and the systems that are being used mm-hmm. that it just 
It's an experiment, yeah. Yeah, and like most of her games, it's one where the format of the visual novel has another layer of artifice on top of it. Uh, yeah. So in that way, it falls in line with the rest, but the way it does it, I think, uh, just makes it seem like a bad RPG instead of a weird visual novel trying to try RPG mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we probably won't speak any more about it other than that, really. I, I like the, the reference. The It gets name-dropped in digital, doesn't it? Yes, I believe it does. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Uh, moving on to Sketchbook, Schoolgirls in Love and Other Sorted Heartbreak, uh, which is another visual novel about a girl in high school. Uh, another artist, which seems to be a recurring theme in these early ones. Uh and the gimmick, such as is in this one, is that she uh, she draws everything in like crayon, and thus all the characters are presented in crayon. And she's really into her medium, but when she changes medium as part of the plot, uh, the characters also change their appearance. Uh, and I feel like the reflection of the characters' mental states, or the how the characters are presented as a reflection of her like how she is in her life I think is really interesting because it drives home the subjectivity of a narrated uh, visual novel experience because it's her telling the story and Mm -hmm. thus you get driven home just through the presentation layer that this is not necessarily an objective tale being told this is someone's subjective narrative yeah I have no idea what I'm going to reply to that because the, the the things that struck out to me as extremely interesting about this weren't necessarily the formalistic way of it was presented. Well, then what, what did you find interesting? I, I found interesting that it was the first... Because uh, I'd played Analog and I'd played Hate Plus before, and there, the writing there is extremely focused on a lot of like internalized th- uh, negative thought systems and how people can think certain ways and be manipulated in certain ways. And basically the arc of this character and the way it gets into how she feels during the relationship with... Oh, what's his face? The you know the guy. Yeah. And the way she internalizes all these negative feelings about who she is and tries to present, like you say, through the pencil drawings rather than the crayon drawings. It, it just felt like it was the, the first game to where Hate Plus was going as being extremely empathetic and understanding about where like misogyny and stuff comes from inside and using that to like drive character development rather than just like because her arc was I, I really liked her arc in this game is what I'm saying huh I, I feel like I didn't catch on to that so good job yeah <laughs> because I feel like I maybe blew through that a little fast uh, on that one <laughs> I feel like you coming at that game were very much looking at it from the way it was presented in an interactive format, and I was focusing way more on the writing as well. Because you're saying all this stuff about the subjective, such of yeah, that subjectivity of, which is true, but that didn't pop out to me. What popped out to me was the writing. Okay. Ah. Uh, and then let's move on to the game that kind of put her on the map as a developer of note, I feel like, because everyone was talking about it when it came out Digital A Love Story. Uh, Digital yep. Love Story is uh, another visual novel, but heavily abstracted in that it presents itself as a BBS in the 80s, late 80s, and you are you, you start with a, a minimal OS, and you dial into boards, and you interact with people through the BBS message boards, and you do weird phone tricks to get into long-distance boards, 
Um, <laughs> okay, so were you, as someone older than me, were you around or doing the BBS no, thing? No, I got when internet with AOL. Okay. So. All right. No experience there no, either. No, like this is then. this is earlier than me. I remember the noise. Remember the modem yeah, noise. Yeah, I mean modems were around when AOL was around. I had a modem, but I had a modem till two thousand and five. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, but yeah, what the game is is trying to replicate that experience of this moment in time where connections were something more laborious and fleeting, uh, because. Like, in the game, the entire board goes down and people get scattered to the winds. And some people end up on the other local board, but some people don't. And going to find them is what drives some of the plot, even. Because that's your first initial mystery, is where is the girl that you were talking to? Because uh, she disappears and that board goes down. Yeah. I think it cap- like the game captures the feeling of being young on, on the internet really well. Like even when it was, you know after BBS's when you're getting into these communities and finding people like connecting with people and then realizing oh wait they can just stop posting here and stuff like that like it's not like school it's not like what and it captures that extremely well especially with the the plot going the way it does yeah and essentially turning into a chase uh and that chase and eventually uncovers a weird conspiracy of there are a lot of AIs running around on the internet and the government mm-hmm. is trying to shut them down through this super virus that was this is what took down the board and is slowly eating parts of the internet where these AIs are hiding, trying to stay undercover. Yeah, no, the, that game goes into places you do not expect from a, the title of Digital A Love Story. But I mean, ultimately, it's a story of you finding this connection with an AI and you having this uh, attraction to each other that becomes like a relationship before it all goes mm-hmm. south. Yeah, and I think that's where uh, it all because co- the biggest problem with digital's design is how the reply function works. I mean, I don't know if that's a problem with digital design. I think it's a problem with the internet in 1980, whatever. No, it's a problem. You, when you replied to someone I actually, in, I actually don't know how it worked in actual BBSs. To be fair, so. I mean, I assume you typed out your reply. Oh, sure. Like, I think... Oh, you mean that when you hit reply, I mean, it gives a reply, really, yeah. but it doesn't ever show you what it is? So it's really... So that emotional connection felt flat because I was pressing reply, and she was like, oh, yeah, well well said, that's a good point. And I'm like, I didn't say... I didn't... Like, the, the they'd use the abstraction of the UI to create a greater sense of interface with all these characters. And then when they took that away, that just... Drew, it was like an, the uncanny valley of uh, UI storytelling, basically. Because in analog, when it, it basically becomes ju- pure archaeology, like that distance is deliberate and enforced, mm-hmm. and you never feel that problem with uh, having to connect with any of the people. You're just reading their stories. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of digital ends up being sign into all the BBSs, reply to every new message, and then check the BBSs again. Yeah, and that's the part where it, it not breaks because I still think the game's really good. and like uh, digital just and playing it, especially in the early goings, just made me real sad. Just uh, there's some it evokes a real feeling of loneliness. Being like, here's the internet, find other people. There's uh, something about that premise that just is like, man. And then the music and the blue UI and everything. 
the game the game feels desperate because you have it's not like you can turn the computer off within the game once you're in the game you're like I'm playing this game mm-hmm. and it evokes that feeling of having to find others that you get when you sign into the internet on the first time and that's actually quite fucking haunting and it does that well okay uh, there's also the introduction of the AIs which become a uh, much broader, more important thing in analog and hate plus, yep. uh, denoted by an asterisk in front of their name. Yep. Uh, and the AIs are uh, interesting characters because they are they're clearly seen as like beings that operate at a level superior to humans, but are seemingly as lonely as a- the player or anyone else, and looking for connection kind of desperately. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is yep. a thing that follows through in all the rest of our games that contain AI characters. Uh, they're always uh, immensely powerful at times, but still uh, stranded characters who are looking for any sort of connection they can find, even ones that are yeah. really negative to them. Because a lot of uh, a lot of the AIs in digital like willingly go back to the government to basically be deleted or whatever, because it's better than hiding and running forever. Mm-hmm. Because that's the whole plot with the ones on the library, right? They say, we have to go back because that's where everyone else is. Yeah. Even knowing that that probably means that you're going to disappear. And you save all of them in the end, right? Don't you? You save what's left. Because a lot of them had already been eaten by whatever the virus was. Okay, I'm confused because I thought... Because you go... Like, you defeating the virus with your friend doesn't, like, bring back everyone who was destroyed... No, but it brings back people on that server, right? The ARAM server. Does it? Because the brother was on the ARAM server, and then the brother is back at the end. Oh, you're right. I guess so. And Because that's the bug that was confusing me, because they wiped out the ARAM server, and then you had to go there to bring back the ARAM. I, I don't know how that worked, but yeah, that was confusing. But not really that. It doesn't really matter that much. That's getting into sci-fi bullshit territory of us going. Well, does the virus do this or this? <laughs> Which is the worst conversation. Um, but yeah, by and large, the story is one of you befriending an AI and then discovering this thing, and then the AI has to sacrifice herself to save it, and uh, apparently ushers in the future of the rest of her games. Because AIs are still around. Yep. And this game goes into our next game almost directly in that it references stuff in it a lot. Uh, maybe not a lot, but there are definitely references and hooks. And I know that Don't Take It Personally Babe was kind of posited as a spiritual sequel to Digital when it came out. So the next game is Don't Take It Personally Babe, It Just Ain't Your Story. <laughs> What? Why was that positive as a sp- I don't see that like playing them in this I see that as way more analogs way more of a sequel than or a spiritual successor than Don't Take It Personally is I feel like Don't Take It Personally goes in a very different direction uh let's see the uh, thing says a spiritual sequel of sorts to digital love story right on the website it does yeah I think it's because the the it's so much about how you connect with people on the internet, and uh, I mean there are like throwaway references, obviously, but it's it's about mm-hmm. what you share in these you know digital spaces 
and how that can be real or not real. Because I think okay, that's true. I think uh, both these games have a lot of like what is a meaningful connection with another human being or a, another computer in Digital's case, um, and that carries through with the rest of her work. Because I mean, the endings of Analog and Hate Plus ask the question of whether or not you connect with these AIs or not. Yeah, you have to bake a cake, yo. So don't take it personally. Uh, has your your main character is a guy who decides to start teaching after he has a marriage fall through or whatever. Two. Is it two? two. Okay. It's He's two. a very sad man and he decides the way to fix that is to teach high school in the year 2027. No way to fix so he shows up anything. to his high school English class and uh he obviously doesn't know what he's doing and one of the first emails he gets on his computer device is hey you have access to all the kids uh, social network interactions whether it be like public semi Facebook kind of posts or whether it's private conversations between each other uh, make sure that you you know use it well and ethically uh, and then you immediately go and read all of their emails forever as yep. they are teenagers who have messy lives and have couple up and break apart and fight with each other and try to figure out what they're about. And the game is you basically bearing witness to this and kind of nudging it along whenever they ask for your input, which isn't very often because you're just a teacher. And It's every chapter. It happened surprisingly often. I don't know. Every single personal crisis they I have. feel like they, they only barely ask for your help. Except for when, like, a parent gets involved, and then you definitely take more of a hand. I, I guess I don't know how it would go if I went the other way on all the choices, but it feels like it's presented to you in such a way where you feel like you're deciding if they're going to get with this person or not. Oh, you probably are. Um, and then you have to use your knowledge of what you've read, but then... Like, the game nudges you into not trying not to reveal that, or your character is definitely uncomfortable with revealing that he's been reading all of their personal communications. Because that's maybe not a good thing to do. Maybe. It says it says in the first email, look, don't read the thing. Don't tell, don't tell them yeah. that you're doing the thing. So it's set up early on that that's not a thing you should do. And so the game is very much like digital, a game where you're constantly checking emails and um, basically Facebook, I guess. It feels really dated to call something Facebook-esque at this point, because nobody uses Facebook in 2014. People do. Uh, no one I care about uses Facebook. Yeah, sure. But it's not a dead service yet. It's not Bebo. Come on. But it, it is weird to see that kind of like, the way the conversations and the way the profiles are presented feels really dated to me. Uh, That's true. But, uh... You use that, and then every once in a while, the game's like, "Hey, maybe you should just read a like a like 4chan for a while, and get out of your head <laughs> for a second. People arguing about anime. I didn't understand that, but I mean, I understood why it was there. I didn't understand why the game stopped every time before, like, and it's always right before the dramatic moment as well. Yep. He goes, "Hmm, before I go and sort out whether this person should um, get digital is kind of a self serious game. I feel like." And I think Don't Take It Personally goes out of its way to kind of take the piss out of this kind of storytelling and not take it too seriously. I agree, but that also causes problems when it hits... Uh, like, so when... I know she doesn't actually, but when Isabella kills herself 
that clashed with there was like wait everyone appears to not be giving a shit about this and I was like ah yeah definitely the first time I played it's like oh well everything's ruined now and you kind of like the characters seem more like stunned than anything and then they kind of like their grades obviously start slipping but it's unclear whether that's because you're a terrible teacher or because well, the, all this the, the stuff two, happened. The two bits that are clearly references to the ending in retrospect, but the in the moment felt really holy shit. That's hmm. Uh, well, when he says the social dynamic doesn't appear to have been changed at all mm-hmm. by her, and the <laughs> bit where they talk about on the Facebook, the Facebook <laughs> um, about. The fact that he's changed the play to Twelfth Night and that he's taking it way too hard. Because there's a bit where they go, he seems to be taking it too hard. And I didn't know that, you know. Yeah. So I was like, you heartless bastards, you children. Well, I mean, they, they all are kind of terrible in that way that only teenagers can be terrible. Right? Well, I disagree. I feel like we just choose to... That's another... Sure. Yeah, we'll go okay. They, they seem like realistic teenagers to me. How about that? Yes, teenagers are terrible in this way. Multiple of them. Uh, but, like, in a way where you kind of... Like, you want them to do well, and you want them to be well, but you kind of hate them most of the time. Yep. At least that was my experience. Like, I really was invested in their relationship dramas and their interpersonal conflicts. But at the same time, most of them, I'm like, I just shake my head and I don't know what to, like, just throw up my hands. What do you even do? Well, considering almost all human beings are like, oh, high school in some way. You play a game where it's all high school drama and it's going to bring that up. No, and I say that as a positive. I think it's great that it can capture that kind of conflict, at least with me as a player. And I especially, like, especially as someone who, you know, as people who had the internet as a thing when they were growing up in high school, like, the conversations about people behind their back and the way you get a perspective of everyone's dynamics mm-hmm. and the different things they're saying to each other, that hit, that that was pretty perfectly handled, I thought. And so the game mostly, at least plot-wise, revolves around, like, your failings as a human being, as a teacher, uh, but also <laughs> these long monologues about whether I should order pizza or oh, fuck it, I'll order pizza. <laughs> or I guess I'll grade all this on a curve, so otherwise everyone fails. Um, but mostly about like the I think the main thrust of the plot is two of the characters, uh, one of them coming out and them pairing up the uh, the gay couple. And yeah. the reaction of one of the guy who's just coming out's girlfriend to everything, which is maybe the big thrust of the plot, because she freaks out and thinks it's like a phase or an act or something, and gets really terrible about it, and yeah. to the point where uh, one of the people's parents gets involved. Uh, the parent being the uh, second character from Cell Phone Love Letter as an adult. Okay, because you said it was self and love letter, and I didn't know how that um, all linked. No, no, because yes, she's was... Ichigo, and like they they have a long extended thing where they're talking about the her uh, his other mother. No, I, I knew that bit, but I like I then I went to look it up, and people people said it referenced digital, which I saw a lot, but I didn't see anyone else talking about the self. Because and love I don't letter think thing, many I mean. people played self and love letter. 
Okay, I'm I'm with it now. But it's <laughs> full cool. of a lot of self and love letter uh, fan service because there is like a ten minute sequence where they just tell this ridiculous story about the yes. main character's self and love letter, and it's adorable in the way yes, that is. that game was. That's it. I'm trying. Did it? Uh, did it, Did you get spoiled genuinely on any of the spoilers that they threw up? They're all joke spoilers, right? What spoilers? When they're like Bruce Willis is a ghost. Oh no. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I've seen, I've something. seen popular movies in the past 20 years. I, there was one spoiler that I didn't know what it was referencing. That I'm thinking, someone could have seen that and been like, oh, I was watching that. I don't remember. It was pretty great. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you get involved and try to sort things out despite things being terrible. But then the game kind of throws a left... A curveball and left that so short like maybe a third of the way through the game is that when Isabel uh, apparently kills yeah. herself a third of the way through yeah that. and then around the midpoint you start as you walk home lonely every night because you're a sad sack uh, Unle- unless which neither of us did unless you get with the other with the students we'll talk about wait we'll talk about this I'm- because my first playthrough of this game and my second playthrough of this game went differently in that key respect. I've, I haven't seen what happens if, you know, she's around, but I hear it's very different. It's not, it's not that different. In terms of him walking along, like, there's stuff about watching TV. Yeah, I don't but know. the sequences where you walk home alone and you run into what's supposedly some vengeful spirit accusing you of causing Isabel's death, which is what we're referencing for people who are listening, Jackson... Yep. Uh, oh yeah, shut up. <laughs> are still there? That's still a thing that happens. Okay. Um, it ends up throwing a weird left curve where at the end of the game it reveals nope, the kids were just fucking with you the entire time, and you find out because one of the kids' mothers comes in and is like, "This has obviously gone too far," and you think that you've been discovered as like a weird snooper, uh, and meddler, and they're like, "No, uh, the kids were fucking with you." And then talks about how these kids in 2027, I, like, just assumed that you were reading all their conversations because why weren't you? And what they say on the internet is obviously going to be read by anyone who's paying attention because what's privacy on the internet? And yeah. offers I, a mm. weird moral of, like, privacy being a, a rapidly diminishing and maybe completely outdated idea that we hold on yeah. to as people playing this game in you know the late aughts early teens but in the roaring 20s of the future nobody cares which i thought was really weird and meshed with and that not meshed conflicted with a lot of the storytelling in the game which revolved around uh different people talking to different people uh, in private on the private conversations yeah it's it's like, interesting because i i feel like it's definitely a, a got you ending that is kind of unearned Oh, oh, well, the gotcha ending's on, um, like, the, I think the way the gotcha ending works in terms of uh, it revealing Isabella didn't really kill herself and the whole thematic connection to privacy are actually two different issues, because I, I, I at all didn't think the Isabella thing was earned, because, mostly because the, when that happened, it, the rest of the game is entirely framed around, um, not if, could, yeah, what's the word? It, your entire perspective of the rest of the game after she does that is coloured because you're like, 
this girl just killed herself and was you're still having all this drama I wah, and then the reveal at the end happens and I don't know that I don't know no I definitely think it's because it's a big impactful thing that should affect people or there's interesting drama to be had out of that because I mean you know kids commit suicide and it's a really awful thing and the game doesn't really address any of that yeah, I think that was it because the, I believe that she totally could have you know um, actually killed herself and I also like these kids were being the worst and I was like apart from those two moments the fact that they just kind of got on with their own drama totally believable as well and then it's just like no that didn't happen at all I, I also wasn't aware of how much they were posting to trick you like were all the RIP posts to trick you yeah I assume so okay because I, I, there was a line about social suicide and everyone was just I don't know it, it kind of, that kind of fell apart at the end but at the same time, like, I feel like the whole point is that... The, yeah. Like, it was clear that they saw that you were, like, a character of a different age who felt differently about these sort of things. Because it's, it's really early on that you, like, basically tip your hand if they're paying attention that you only know something because you've read their messages when you interact with them. Yep. And obviously they caught on, and just, since you were obviously uptight and coy about it, they were going to mess with you. <laughs> And they did, uh, in kind of a terrible way, really. This kid's going, "Hey, what if we? I've got, I've got a great idea. You're, you're what leaving. We, you're going transferring to a different school. What if we just pretend like you died? Which is totally a thing kids would do, and it's the worst thing ever because teenagers. Actually, that's one of the. That's probably the most believable teenage thing in there. <laughs> that teenagers would come up with the idea to prank their teacher by making them think one of their students had died." Teenagers. I uh, I feel like Taylor is maybe the most believable teenage thing in that Man. game. Man, Taylor, oh, shit. As all the as a person like I knew in high school for sure. Everyone knew, and I like I feel bad for her, but you kind of can't ever like actually sympathize in a real way. It just becomes pity, was- and that's not helpful. It was. I didn't know how to feel about a bunch of it because I get all the relationships between all these characters get messy and you, no one is ever the bad guy, bad guy or, you know. But... Like... I don't know where I'm going with this. I have nothing. I'm just saying it's well written. But try to think of other words. <laughs> so, then let's talk about the actual privacy thing with people because I think that's let's. really interesting. In, yes. Um, how do you feel about this? Hmm. I mean, I, I understand what I was going for. The, I, I don't buy that the kids in the story, like, it doesn't really mesh with them that they would care, not care about things being private. But then I also don't know if that's just me projecting who you are now. That, yeah. Because, or in, more in high school, like, lots of drama in high school in fact 99% of it was around one person finding information out that they were not supposed to find out yeah but were none of those people were teachers no no they, they weren't so maybe they just have this I- different idea of like well it's fine if you know like the teachers are looking at this stuff because none of it's actually that bad or matters but I don't want you know Kendall to look at this because she'll flip out yeah, I guess it's kind of... And I mean, that's kind of how 
like we run our lives now to a certain extent to a lesser degree I mean, Daniel saying like maybe the NSA are spying on this but what the fuck are they going to care about my dumb conversations about Mario yeah but I don't want that guy <laughs> other guy on Twitter that I think is an asshole to know that I'm calling him an asshole yeah no, it's, it's I think you said um, on Twitter that it was that the ending is where the most interesting and the least whatever the the bit that works the most and the least is in that last section because it's really ambitious and a left field plot development in the and I think there's a lot of stuff in it to unpack but at the same time I'm not sure the rest of the game really supports it very well it goes out of its way to not support it because the game is built around pulling the rug out from under you but like definitely replaying it again yeah like replaying it again it, it still feels like a thing that comes out of left field and then it revolves around kind of basically a speech being given to you at the very end to explain everything uh, like <laughs> those are the best kind of endings uh, I... <laughs> when, when something happens and then someone explains it I mean it. it's, it's a perfect anime <laughs> ending I guess that it is I, I joke, but I have liked many things where something happens and then someone does a long speech to explain it. Um, but at the same time, I, I really like the ideas that it's presenting. I think they're really interesting because so much of it is predicated on the presumption of who we are now playing this character in this hypothetical situation. And I feel like it reveals a lot of player baggage in a way that you wouldn't expect a game like this to necessarily have. Because most of the story actually just revolves around you, and you just like kind of observe it and poke at it, much like the rest of her games, really. Um, yeah. But in this one moment, it reveals that your entire perception of the story you're being told has to do with who you are and what you bring into the conversation. Even yeah. just by hitting the button to advance text, you are participating in a thing where it's still a mirror to your own uh, opinions. And that becomes really evident in especially Hate Plus. So I think a game that lives and dies by making you implicit in what's happening, even though you're just yeah. reading other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the... Basically, between digital, analog, don't take it personally, and Hate Plus, is the biggest thing that connects them. Is the way it involves the player character in something they're actually not really that involved in. And the way it uses interactivity in that sense. So, let's talk about specifics with weird ending possibilities. Okay, yeah. So, tell me what happens if you make out with a 15-year-old at the beginning. So, the first time I played this game, I was like, well, whatever. They are 15, right? Uh, yeah, I assume so. Okay. I was like, this seems like the guy who would do this. Because he really does. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> like, I'm not, really. But I wanted to see how far this would go. And so you end up with, like, this weird relation. Role-playing him as... The student, like, is posting on the wall, Oh, I really like like this teacher. I think he's really hot. I'm going to, like, throw myself at him. And you can rebuff her, like, a couple times, but she keeps coming back and getting more aggressive each time. And eventually it's like, Well, let's see what happens if you play this out. And you do have this weird... And it's not even, like... I, I don't remember because I went down this road the first time I played this several years ago. I feel like it's not like a physical relationship, really, but it's maybe even creepier than it's mostly just you and her like having these tender moments where she like comes over and you watch TV together and it like it's like oh this is my one moment of sanity and it's really weird that's coming from the student from the school where I'm teaching and I hate that and that's an awful thing in my life. Uh, 
And then at the very end, you can basically, like, after everything's over, it's just you and her. And she's like, well, I didn't actually lie about all those things. I was really into you. I just knew you would see them. And I hoped you would get, like, be into being receptive to my advances. You basically say, well, okay, let's go off together and, like, get dinner or whatever. Or you can rebuff her finally and fully. And then she's very sad. Uh, but weirdly more responsible about it than you've been the entire game. She's like, well, that's unfortunate, but I can understand why you might feel that way. Uh, <laughs> if you ever change your mind, I mean, I still got another year at this school. <laughs> Wait, so that would make it, yeah, that would make a 16, 17. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and so you can totally end up in this weird, awful relationship with this student. And she's like, well, let's go get dinner with my friends. It's like, wait, this is just okay in this weird future? <laughs> Yeah, that bit was odd. Yeah. Because that's there's, there's the only relationship in the game in which you... Can choose to engage with it or not. But then, I feel like maybe you could probably not get those couples together that get together. Both times I, oh, no, t- both times I played, t- t- I never t- considered not getting them together, though. Yeah, the, the, the point of the game is to get those couples because together. Because they're super cute. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's... I don't, like you have agency in those decisions, but it's, they don't emotionally involve you. They just come to you for advice. Mm-hmm. Whereas this other this other thing is very much like, hey, you know, you're hot. Uh, I'm a student, but let's put that aside and make out. And you can be receptive or not. It's really I only I I only I did the first choice, and not rebuffing her. I did, but I didn't play the whole game to to see what happened. I, I, it's not it's not I, that different. There's just little okay. interludes with you and her. Like, only just, like, one or two. Man. <laughs> Most of the game plays out the exact same. It reminded me a bunch of 25th Hour. <laughs> oh, okay. Head. I was like, what? Because when I think of 25th Hour, I just think of that beautiful ending that's the most perfect thing in all of movies. And I don't think You're about right. everything that led up to it. I think about that entire movie a lot, because it's great. But... <laughs> That, that entire thing with the way he's talking about um, that girl in his monologues were just were just straight up Philip Seymour Hoffman lines from that film. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh, so yeah, I feel like I really like this game. It's not perfect. It's really messy. Really, especially at the end, it gets real messy. But there's something about it that perfectly encapsulates all of these games. Uh, both like the like messy human drama of the first couple games that's much more intimate and much more like involved and real and present and the broader social implications of her later games mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah. this is definitely I think the pivot point on which we go from the early Christine Love games to the later Christine Love games because I would put this in the later category handily yeah I think I might put I would start it with digital, maybe. Mm. But, yes. It's a good video game. It gets a 5 out of 5. <laughs> You're awful. I have to delete that now. <laughs> yes, you do. It's a good joke, but it's, 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 you can't do that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So our next game is the first uh, game sold by Christine Love, which is Analog, A Hate Story which takes place in uh, the far-flung future, may way further far than Don't Take It Personally, in the 25th century. No, even later than that. Because the backstory of the game. 25th century. 
Earth launches like an arc ship where like you know generations will pass or whatever to colonize way out into space. And one of these ships, because there are multiple of them, basically drops out of contact. And you show up as a like a scout way further in the future, like hundreds or thousands of years after humans. It, it doesn't say. Yeah, does no, it, it doesn't, say. doesn't say. Like way okay. after that. Uh, after humans have spread across the galaxy, but they found this ship in space, and you sync up to it, and you have to go through the logs and find out what happened on this ship to make it dis- basically drop out of history. And uh, what you uncover is an AI program that can barely talk to you, only through like yes or no prompts, because the conversation thing is broken. The ship completely bereft of like people, all gone, and. A uh, bunch of log entries detailing apparently at some point the ship had fallen into like social regression and had become this super patriarchal society based on uh, an actual Korean uh, part of history. And so the ship has basically regressed to the Joseon dynasty in South Korea, uh, which took place. In oh man, from the 14th to the 19th centuries, a long time. Uh, very uh, male centric women were basically scoured from history, aside from being people's wives, like footnotes in family trees, and uh, parceled off as dowries and whatnot. And you interact with uh, the AI Hunye, Hunai, that's what it is, I'm trying to get my pronunciation right. Uh, who uh, talks you through what's going on, and at some point, the people on the ship it re- is revealed have woke up a young girl that had been kept in cryogenic stasis back when the ship was more advanced technologically, before the social regression had basically erased all of their knowledge and history. And that was the living Hyunai, uh, who was put into crisis because she was sick and they couldn't figure out what to cure her and then she became revered as this pale bride character and was mm-hmm. given to the emperor as his new wife and a lot of the story is what her experiences were on that ship and why she is suddenly the AI on the ship instead of the living character that you read about from her diaries uh, and then you wake up the ship's actual security mute <laughs> Yeah, the introduction of mute is, man, that's such a good moment. And what the game basically entails is you communicating with you and I are mute, uh, through yes or no selections on like a Mass Effect style dialogue wheel, basically. Uh, but even simpler than that in a lot of cases. And then reading logs that they give you, and then talking to them about their input on what's happening in the logs. And just uncovering how the society existed and the kind of awful things that happened. It's very much an anthropological game where you spend most of your time just digging into the history of this fictional society based on real society and seeing where these kind of awful things can come out of. But the conflict between Hyunai as a character who went through this trauma of discovering the society and being inflicted upon it and Mute who was always the AI and seemed really entrenched in that society uh, is really interesting, especially when Mute reveals that Hyunai was the reason everyone's dead because she killed everyone 
uh, and then uploaded herself into the computer as like her last action. Yeah, it it goes places. Yep. But then you know they turn it around, kind of, or maybe not turn it around. But then if you question Hugh and I about that, she'll give you the reason why she did it. And I don't know if it justifies murdering hundreds, if not thousands of people. Actually, I think it's probably just hundreds at that point. But uh, it's a really awful thing that they did to her. Yeah, no, it's... Analog's not a happy game. It's really... Well, it's a hate story. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's right in the title. Up, fr- up front, what's going on? Um, It's really hard to talk about Analog and not talk about hate plus but we're gonna i want to actually keep them separate because i think they do interesting things differently um well i want to talk about um the opening of analog and the way that it contextualizes looking through all these files like the the way the game starts and then you have to kind of hack into the system and you have to then talk to the ai and the the what's it the typing box doesn't work so you have to do the like Compared to the way digital works with that re- reply function not at all working, like it justifies the role of the player character. Like you, it gets you into the emotional space the player character is in, in relation to how they're interacting with the AI, mm-hmm. in such an efficient way that is just really impressive. And I also liked all the interacting when there was no AI, like the way the way it. Like the difficulty of getting the system to work when you had to reboot it and hack into it, like actually made you appreciate the AI being there in a mechanical way. Like it was a, oh, it well, was you a have to just mechanics. put in terminal commands, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like it really made you realize, oh, this person is here. They are helping not person, but you know what I mean. That this character is here. They are helping me. They are an influence, and it made you feel their presence in a really smart way. So, uh, I feel like we should just talk about what happened to you and I that caused her to kill everybody. But yep. she's defrosted and being from a different, much more similar to ours, like a much more progressive, forthright era, proceeds to call everybody completely crazy for buying into this weird, sexist, oppressive yeah. culture. Much of the whole the thing starts as her being like, what the fuck is up with yeah, everybody? Because you get the... two sets of logs. You get her just dethawed being really terrible, and you get a bunch of logs later on of people talking about how the Pale Bride was really like subdued and was like a good like pristine wife and you don't yeah. know how to connect the two like how did she go from one to the other and at the very end of the game Hyunae reveals essentially that because she was so difficult they went and cut out her tongue to keep her silent and to try to placate her after everything they tried to do to get her to follow along with everything and then married yeah. her off after that had been done. Yeah, it's yeah. And so she killed everybody, which which is it's like it's fair enough. I mean, the not game fair, outright asks you, enough. no matter which path you're on, whether or not after you find all that information, whether or not you feel Hune was justified in doing that act, and it leaves it really ambiguous because uh, Hune obviously feels because she's an upload of like her mental state, like as that happened. Uh, like, she feels she was totally justified. She didn't have time as a living being to regret doing that, even if she ever would, and that's not a given at all. But the idea of killing hundreds of people and basically yourself just eliminating this entire civilization on the predication of one act is incredibly radical. Uh, 
not maybe not unjust. I feel like it's definitely one of those things where like everyone's going to have a different answer as to whether or not that is like a a righteous act or not. Because it basically is asking the question of the whole civilization is completely rotten to the core, and she's just like, okay, done with this. Then there's there is no more civilization. It's really complicated though because. Like the situation, this the civilization's really rotten. Obviously, like it, it sucks up and down. If you are not a dude, it sucks. Super oppressive, super terrible. These things are happened and permitted, and nobody like raises an eyebrow at it. And, uh, but this is a real thing that happened to people. Like, if yeah. you say it's okay for her to just wipe everyone out, are you saying that whenever our I'm societies so- get really I'm- terrible, like, can we just do that? <laughs> I'm not I'm I saying that's the question the game. Yeah. But I think the thing that's really interesting is Mute as a character who is obviously like buys into that society like she's the she's the original ship's AI and she's programmed to be like a part of this. She was into it like she was invested in the society and all of her things are kind of awful in which they support everything that happened there. She's still a character that in her you see kind of the way out of it almost because while nobody kept records of like what women wrote, Mute has them because they were gossip or whatever, and she liked to gossip. Like she fills in the family tree that Hune doesn't have about the women that were on the side of one of the families because she kept them because they were part of her memory, that collective memory that she had because mm-hmm. she was like this supplicant AI character, so she presented as a woman, and she has within her this knowledge of stuff that the society said was not supposed to be, but she kept it. And that happens in real societies where these things happen. There are oral traditions of women who weren't taught to read or write, but they existed and carried on. Like, the way out of it exists even in something as supposedly reinforcing the status quo as mute. Yeah. And and also, the way the game... Like, you get a broad view of how corrupt the society or rotten the society is... But you get it through reading the logs of individuals. Like it is, there are a bunch of cat. Like they're all human being characters, and they're all really well written and developed in their own right. Even though the creative picture of like, you know, this disgusting society that uh, is the worst, the game doesn't just say, "And there's a society over there, and it's really bad." And then she blew it up. It actually goes into all these different characters and all these different points of view, and just. Then just walks away. Like, you see people that you sympathize with in the society. Like, there are people that, like, oh, this is a good person, or this is a person who's in a really bad situation is doing the best they can. And, yep. like, all the shades of people are in there, and then it just shows how they are all totally wiped out. Uh, and it doesn't make you, like, no one's going to romanticize this group of people and be like, oh, wasn't it great on this ship back in the times? But... I, I felt really awful at the loss of all of those people. Yeah. Because some of the people were buying into it and actively carrying out all the, you know, horrible values of the society, but some of them are just trapped in a society with these horrible values. Mm-hmm. And they, at no point does it say what comes first, because, you know, that societies are bigger than the individuals, but also they are the individuals. Like, and the fact that it is entirely through tech like the storytelling mechanic of the gameplay is pretty much perfect for the themes and that question all it's all building up to that one moment and it's analog's really fucking good yeah um i had forgotten mm-hmm. what coming coming back to it 
just how good analog is. Uh, and then, just speaking uh, more formally, there's multiple endings where they're not you end up with because uh, your goal is to basically. I hear that adds value. You're supposed to download all of the logs. And at some point, it becomes clear that really your goal should be to get these AIs off the ship. And you can either get Mute off or Hyunai off. Or if you do a bit of meta trickery, you can get both of them off and get the How do you do the meta trickery? Um, so at some point, uh, well, okay, so you have to have played Hyunai's route or read a walkthrough or whatever. And yep. you have to go through the part where the ship has, there's a part where the ship has like a nuclear meltdown or whatever. And you have yeah, to... Yeah, yeah turn off almost all the systems, including one of the AIs, to save the ship. And so you basically yes. have to choose which AI you want to keep. Yep. And you have to keep Mute, but then you need to show Mute something that'll like trigger her thing. And in the documents list where it shows all the things you can search, there's a search field. And if you type in the code, because there's like a six-digit code for each document... If you type in the code of the, the the revelation of what happened to Hune, like her being maimed, it will cause Mute to realize what had happened, and she freaks out, and is like, well, okay, maybe maybe there's some reason we should at least talk to her, and she goes into the other core and gets Hune and pulls her into her like AI core, and then you have both of them in the same core, so you can download it and escape with them. Oh man, that's great. I didn't know that. That's real good. And that's how you get the cheesy harem ending. Uh, labeled that's, as the harem ending, for the record. That's bringing the smile to my face. Even though that's an ending about a game about... That's that's making me messed up a feeling like that's a happy ending. But <laughs> man, Putting a big cheesy anime ending in a game that ends with the entire civilization being wiped out. Good job. Yep. And uh, so those are your endings, and we'll, we'll talk about that as we go into Hate Plus, but we've got a couple games to cover first. Any last thoughts of Analog before we move on? Uh, we kind of said it all. It's really, I really liked it. So our next game is uh, Diving Deeper, which is even, um, it is a straight visual novel in that there are, like, much like her early games, there aren't any choices at all. It is a small uh, eroge uh, and this is, as much as a lot of her other games include uh, elements of sexuality, and Analog has some steamy text scenes of uh, people hooking up, uh, Diving Deeper is the first one that I would consider like a porn game. Uh, Diving Deeper is the only one I didn't play. Okay, you didn't play Diving Deeper. I, I Because of computers and situations. Okay. I, it, it is, it is a... Like it, it, I know it's five five minutes of non-interactive te- tentacle. Yeah, it's just a little bit of fluff. It's a story of a diver who falls in love with a weird octopus lady, and uh, they get it on. And then it has a weird dark ending where she's like, uh, "I've read that octopuses like die after they have sex, but that's okay because I've got everything I need." And it just shows her in the water and like super pregnant, with all these weird, gross octopus babies. That's. Okay. It's 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 a it's a goofy, silly little fluff <laughs> thing. That sounds goofy. Um, and I only mention it because it is on the list. It's part of the thing. And her next game is going to be a rogue too. So, like, I think it's notable to note this will not be her first. Like, uh, you know, has oh, is it actually going to be like explicit, not just dating? Yeah, game? they said it's going to be a rogue. So. Okay. Fair. Fun. Good times. Making the. Uh, the theme song of Hate Plus, which I'm sure will be at the end of this long segment, uh, all the more relevant. 
That's good. That's good. Oh yeah, no, because I remember now. Because the whole point was, yeah, okay. I remember all the stuff about um, that extremely long titled game coming back to me now. Yep. Uh, next game is a twine game called Even Cowgirls Bleed, which is a very short tale about a young sharpshooter who moves from the city or from the country into the city, and the game is presented as text, and your mouse becomes like a crosshair. And the way you interact is by clicking on words that causes a gunshot. Uh, but the game also extrapolates that as you shooting at anything that you interact with. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the interactions are either shoot or don't yeah. shoot. And if you don't, if video you don't game. like if you don't shoot, most things won't actually carry on because there's some moments where you can like holster your gun uh, that appear every once in a while. But for a lot of the interactions, all you can do is shoot at things. And I, every time I could shoot, I shot. And so it becomes a thing where it's like, you need to go in the bar where you shoot open the door, and then they try to pour you a drink, and you no. shoot the drink. <laughs> no, you kick open oh. the door. I was disappointed. Um, and But then there's like a moment where like nothing is happening, and you can either shoot, or you can just pass your gun, like you can holster your gun, and the holster prompt moves from side to side on the game, and it says, oh, you've been, you're antsy, and pass your gun hand to hand. And I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Um, it's a good bit of business but you know you find a, a woman that you're into but all you can do is shoot and she doesn't take kindly to that and nope. it always ends poorly <coughs> it's actually a really negative game uh, I feel like it comes out of a really dark place yeah you die yeah but even more so it's like you are uh, it spends a lot of time talking about how if all you know how to do is this one thing then you don't have any way to meaningfully interact at all because no, it comes up, it basically comes up to that sex scene, and then she's like, "Hmm, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to shoot her." Yeah, <laughs> and then things go bad. Yeah, and because it's all because it, it's about her being a dumb city kid. I think yeah. that phrase. Yep, it's it's full of self recrimination. Yeah, I, I all the things I have learned to do are not appropriate in this situation. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty. And just the way, like the, t- even though it's just text, the way the it starts bleeding at the end and you can't read it very mm-hmm. well, it's affecting. It's, it's a good bit of it's a good it's a good thing. And uh, then we have Magical Maiden Madison, which is another Twine Fun. game. I love Magical Maiden Madison so much. Uh, which is presented as uh, you open the web page and it is just a cell phone in the corner, uh, and it is presented as a series like a text conversation between you and one of your friends uh, interspersed with some title cards like filling in the backstory of your magical maiden Madison a magical girl who has these powers but after one of your adventures you have this long conversation with your friend about how things didn't go exactly as planned it's so good it is amazing I feel like you like it way more than me so maybe talk about it a bit oh it's just it's just hilarious I guess did you play through both sides of conversation no I did I did a mix okay why would I do just one side? Uh, there are some. There are some things where she's gonna go. Yeah, I'm into that. This is the thing I want to talk about. And there's some things where she's gonna go. I don't even know. So yeah, the, like, you get text, and then you get a red reply, a red reply, and a green reply, and they kind of the blue reply. Oh yeah, and they imply early on because if you do it just like the first couple, it'll show you like, oh, the red is like a negative and the, the blue is a positive. But outside of that, it doesn't give you any sense of what you're going to actually say until you hit the button. Nope. 
And it's just amazing stuff like, oh my god, oh, I did, I wanted to be, you know, making out with a cute person, not dealing with all this shit. <laughs> not knock off tuxedo mask who comes and offers <laughs> terrible speeches oh the bit with the end with the guy and she, the way she's just moaning about the guy or like, His guy's or the like oh this monster like hit me in these weird tentacles and maybe I liked it more than I should what does that even mean about myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, like taking the the weird contradictions about these kind of anime shows magical girl shows and taking them at face value for what they imply about the character mm-hmm it's great. It's basically an Idle Thumbs podcast in video game form. So, of course, I liked it. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's high praise coming from you. Yeah, well, that's what it is, except it's about animes rather than weird video game mechanics. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I feel like I wasn't as strongly into it as you are, but I, your enthusiasm <laughs> delights me. It's just funny. How can I say? I like a thing where people talk. I mean, the entire thing hinges on the fact that it, the writing is actually. You can do bad text talk. That can get real bad real fast. So let's uh, bring it down, way, way down, and talk about our last game, which is Hate Plus. Uh, Hate Plus was on both of our Game of the Years last year. It's very good. It originally started as DLC for Analog and grew into a bigger game than Analog is even. Um, Yeah, much. much. And takes place directly after the ending of Analog as you're heading back to Earth with one or both of the AIs. And uh, you get to pick uh, whether or not you got one or both, or which one, um, when you start up the game. And deals with them, whoever it is, finding a log of what happened way before, hundreds of years before the events of that were depicted in Analog of that society. And about Mute as the... the person in charge of ship security back when the ship was full and technology was like everyone was in what we would consider the future they had not regressed yet uh and you go through three days on your trip back to earth going through the logs of how the society started to slowly dissolve and become the the groundwork of what you knew in analog and it's again presented through logs way more interaction with the ai at this in this game I feel like yeah, all, all, almost every single not every, well, a high percentage comparatively of their logs have a comment from the AI. Mm-hmm. In fact, the, now they just chime in as you're scrolling through the logs. There'll just be yeah. text boxes that show up as they're reading it with you, basically. You'll get to a bit, and they'll be like, "Oh, come on, don't write that down," or something. And so, the the the, the thing it depicts is that it was a de- democratic society. And it was much more progressive, and it, like it was like it was like a future that you would want to believe in, basically. Those uh, logs of the meetings for the politics are definitely written by someone who has watched and likes a lot of Star Trek. Oh yeah, uh, and so <laughs> you find out that Mute was on the Security Council uh, with or on the council of the ship because there was like an elected captain but they had to answer to like this council of 10 and mute was on it and mute is very different she's very aggressive and very assertive she wears an eye patch mute's awesome in hate plus hell yeah uh mute's so cool um <laughs> just gonna just gonna cool. mark out for mute for a little bit uh <laughs> and but you discover this as you read the logs uh, this idea of this takeover of certain elements of society deciding that they should that they don't like the way that this society is being run 
and they want to replace this ineffectual democratic government with like a leader who can lead and so they try to get an emperor elected basically and with it comes this idea of neo-confucianism basically that they're going to erase all of the books that are written in like in the Korean that everyone knows and go back to Chinese uh, because that's the the honorable language of society, the learned language, and everyone has to pass like literacy tests to be able to be considered a high level citizen. And it just you can see it becoming this awful society ruled by these ideas that seem predicated on like like they they wrap it in a lot of social good. Like at first you don't even see the evils that are happening until they're there, and even mute doesn't. Yeah, no, the whole the game hinges on them catching Mute off guard in that, the end of day two. Mm-hmm. For man, the end of day two. I, I haven't actually played the game through with Mute. Oh, okay. You I, should do that. Should I? Okay. Do you want me to spoil what happens? Because I feel like we should talk yeah, 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 about yeah, it. Yeah. So You should tell me what happened, because... You have the, assume... you have the like, Joseon Mute, like, the Mute from that society... Like, confronted yes. with this other mute. Uh, but then... So the game goes through mutes, like, rise and fall as she, like, tries to manipulate this government because she feels that they're ineffectual, but it turns out that the person she picked was manipulating her and seizes this power. And what eventually happens is they basically... F- her Him, now elected emperor, and his wife, uh, who seems to be the real orchestration of this entire thing, and we'll get to that... Um, have this moment where they force me to choose whether or not they just blow up the computer of the ship or whether she surrenders and goes with them. And with that, they basically wipe her memory and create this mute that she is now, that she remembers. And she's like, oh, I, I had... Uh, I don't remember that woman's name. Yun Oh, uh, the like scholar who sets up this entire thing, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically the empress. She has this thing where she's like, oh, this was like my as you read all these things, she's like, oh, this was, like, my best friend. Like, this is the person I remember. She was great. And when she realizes that she was manipulated into doing all these things and this woman was orchestrating this entire thing to create this mute that would serve their purposes, uh, she freaks out and basically deletes her own program and commits suicide. What? Yeah. Okay. Man. Huh. What happens in day three? Is it just this really silent game? Uh, no. Uh, sh- I, God, I don't remember what happens in Meat Story. Maybe that's only in the harem ending, where okay. Meat deletes herself. But yeah, Meat definitely ends that thing in a really bad place. And there's Man. not. You can eventually. No, that's how it. Because in the in the harem ending, I think she's just dead. Like she just deletes herself. And I think in the mute ending, it reboots. Like a pure mute that's like it looks like the young mute, but she's wearing the old mute's clothes. Yeah, and it's it's basically like a like a system reset mute who has all like very basic personality, and you go through everything again, and uh, she has all the memories of old mute, but none of the memories of the mute that you knew. You know, yeah, and you go through everything again. And she gives you a lot of context about everything, but it's not the mute that you have this like relationship with. And it's clear that it's it not just, that mute. It just feels very disconnected. Yeah. And, and it's this really man. like sad thing. It's like, oh, well, mute's gone. Shit. And you get this other mute, and it's like, oh, this is the cool mute, but it's not your mute. It's not your mute, yeah. 
yeah, ma- okay, that's damn. Because when I put, because I had Hinai, um, she just got really bummed out. Yeah, that. no, playing mute is the character. Like Hinai is the character of analog, and mute is the character of hate plus. <laughs> I realized that, but then I went into hate plus. I was like, well, I should continue my save. Oh no, that makes sense. Um, and then I realized, oh wait, this is this is the story of mute. Mute should really be here, but I don't because re- I didn't. You know, I played hate plus and. He, he and I was the one that the the AI that I was you know, mute was just being an, annoying all the time. Uh, which the and so the point we both wrote about hate plus, which you can find. Um, but the thing that I think is most interesting about hate plus is that revelation of God. I hope that's her name. That you know the woman who was running like the school who basically ushered in this thing. Uh, starts the society for really like messed up but almost selfless reasons mm-hmm. uh, like she has a family member who's being ostracized by the society and she wants to tear it all down and her idea of what it might be because she's like a scholar is to go back to like a different society where people had respect and there were rules about how people like acted but what she ushers in is like this really terrible conservative thing that we see all of the echoes of and she's not really a good person, but the, what she acts out of seems almost s- sympathetic or does seem sympathetic. And it offers a much murkier take on where these kind of opinions and these kind of societies come from, where people can end up in these really harmful, aw- like awful ways of thinking without actually carrying around necessarily hate with them. Like, I, like she's like, I don't hate these people, but I set the society where this hate becomes institutionalized. And that's really the sad thing, is the tragedy of this all came out of these really, like, small things where you see a thousand times where this society didn't have to go in that direction, but it did anyway. And it seems so possible. The whole fact that, one, this girl, or this woman was responsible essentially for the entire events of um, Analog mm-hmm. and her motivations being like not selfless but you know as you said not motivated by hate of by that kind of hate they would, that was almost a side effect she was like you know I just I'm dissatisfied with how they are now clearly this will not be how the things are now so it will have to be better and I just didn't go that way yeah, Hey Plus is a really sad game, and I played it, it over like I played all three storylines over nine days, and it was just a very you got the in- dark time. You got the nine days. <laughs> I bet, I bet. No, I just played it once. I could have, I could have got the achievement, but I was like, nope, that's a game. That that game was really man. And uh, the mechanic about having to wait. Yeah, so Hate Plus is basically does kind of the same thing as Analog where you're just reading the logs, but you only have a certain amount of power in your ship each day to pull up the logs and read them because you now have these AIs on board your small ship that wasn't built for it. So it drains your battery reserves really fast. That's the conceit. So you basically have like a certain amount of logs you can read and then it basically shuts down for the day and it's like, come back in 24 hours. And then the game basically tells you to come back. Like, it locks off your save for 24 hours. There's a way around it, but the game is clear about how you should just step away and take a day. And And it is absolutely the way it should be played, because sitting down and, like, absorbing what you just read for a day 
I think really underlines the points that the game is trying to make because you start to draw connections and make conclusions even though you don't have all of the information and you, you go on these paths where you, you think you know what's going to happen and then the rug gets pulled out from under you in a much bigger way because you had the time to live in the character's headspaces given the information you had. What it does for the relationship between the player character and the uh, AI when the... Rela- like <sighs> When I played through Analog, I played that through and one I couldn't stop. It was like, boom, that's Oh done. yeah, that's a game you I, sit down and your afternoon's you done and then you finish it. And, and you devour like, yeah. But by making one, you have to stop playing the game for a bit, and two, when you come back to the game, the the character you're interacting with is aware you have gone and have returned, and is glad. Like it, it actually makes you miss the the character in that way. Like in the like it's similar to like a weekly TV show or something. Where you're like, yeah, it's time for my, you know, it's time for me to watch whatever. It's time for me to sit down with uh, you know and read these logs, you know. And I just think that was really smart about just the way it used not playing the game to make actually playing the game more effective. And then all the stuff with the cake carries down that road as well, of trying to <laughs> increase interaction, um, like an emotional connection with someone that doesn't exist, in a way more direct way than just a story would. Yeah. Did you bake the cake? No, I have not baked a cake yet. I was going to do it this time, but I didn't have time in the end. Yep. If I had not spent <laughs> heady... most of this month horribly sick, I probably would have. The heady plans of March. Yeah. It's a miracle <laughs> we're here at all. It really is. Uh, so yeah, we both really like Hate Plus. I think it's probably one of the best games I've ever played. Straight up. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's why we're doing this, among other things, but probably the primary reason yep uh and so last but not least the international or interstellar selfie station not international i always call it international and then i realize wait that would not that which is in beta now you can find it at probably at interstellar selfie i would guess I, I haven't looked that up which is going to phones it's an app that she's making clearly not a game but based on the game boy camera uh that was on uh, you know released for game boy um it's just a cool selfie thing but i think that it piggybacks off of a lot of the things that have come out about selfies as an act of feminism of positive self-image as a thing that people need to bring like culture cultivate among themselves to beat down society being terrible all the time as someone who's recently been taking a lot of selfies jackson i feel like you understand this I'm instant selfies. Selfies are... Th- yeah, because you, you... I mean, I, I obviously can't speak to it as an act of feminism as, you know, straight white guy the most... But, you know, as a way of boosting self-esteem and actually taking photos of you that you control and look good, selfies are a great thing and anyone who speaks against them is wrong. So definitely check that out because it's going to be on all of the smartphones this summer and you can find the uh, beta for free now. <laughs> Finally, I can turn my smartphone into a Game Boy camera. It's what I've always wanted. You know, it's uh, it's super cool. <laughs> I, I joke, but yeah, it's probably probably would be better than the iPhone camera. Yeah, I mean, it, you look awesome. You can make uh, gifts. So, <laughs> I whenever I have used Interstellar Station, it has been purely for gifts. 
And then uh, I want to talk about our next game coming up because now that we've done this, we kind of are dedicated to talking about all of our future games on the cast, I feel like. What? Now that we've done what? I'm very confused. Now that we've done this gameography. You mean Lady Killer and a Bite yeah. or Ace Combat Once 6? Once it comes out, now that we now we have to talk about it on the cast. Like, it's a rule. Oh, I get what you mean. I thought you were saying that I needed to preview... Ne- yeah, sorry. Uh, so... Yes, L- Lady Killer and a Bind. Uh, Christine Love's um, next game is... Uh, or, hang ...is on. called My Twin hang Brother on. Made Me Cross-Dress as Him, and now I have to deal with a geeky stalker and a Dom Beauty who want me in a bind. Or just call it Lady Killer in a Bind. Nope, not going to call it Lady Killer in a Bind. <laughs> Because why would you do that when you have that amazing Which title? Which comes out next year and uh, is supposedly much more systems-based because a lot of it is apparently about uh, social manipulation of people with like stats and stuff associated with it. Uh, it yeah. It was, it was. She said it was like a dating game that was very aware of the fact that, that it doesn't seek to hide that it's just blatant social manipulation. Mm-hmm. Which is ultimately what all dating games are. <laughs> yeah. And here you talk about Persona 4. It's like, yeah, that's, that's up your alley. <laughs> Leave my weird, elaborate <laughs> Persona 4 headcanon out of this. <laughs> nope. Uh, and we're very much looking forward to that. Uh, that, it fe- that it's next year makes me very sad. Any final thoughts before we wrap up Christine Love? I, I think the... Um, the Playing those Christian Love games affected me in a really weird and complicated way, especially um, digital and uh, Don't Take It Personally, which I played for the first time. Because Hey Plus and Analog of Hate Story are the most like outwardly moving games in terms of their story. But the relatability of the mundanity of how interacting with those two ones are like, because it's just Facebook. It's not, but it is. It's just Facebook and it's just forums. Really hit home with me as just people trying to get by and find other people who spend a lot of time on computers. Christian Love Games are really interesting, basically. Like, way more so than just being, these are good games you should play, they're interesting, and I think you should check them out for that reason. Alright. I, uh, agree. Up and down. These have, has been a fun adventure. Uh, and as, like, a project, I feel like it's clear that you see someone developing, like, rapidly over the course of I guess it is like yeah. six years, but uh, seven even. You you see what starts as really humble beginnings grow into something really impressive, but it never loses the same spirit of what is important. No. And I, th- I think that's a really incredible thing uh, and an important thing to think about when you think about where your video games come from. Definitely. Which is why we're doing this, is to try to get at uh, people developing and growing voices, uh, and hopefully hashtag growing voices. No, join the conversation. You're terrible. <laughs> You're ruining an emotional moment. We're done. It's what I do. Christine, if you ever listen to this, thank you for making very many wonderful games, and I hope to play all the rest in the future and enjoy them as much.
So with Gameography over for the next couple months, let's go back and do our usuals. Because we've got some questions and we need to announce what we're doing next month as Game Club. We do. But, yeah, but you can play along. But questions are important because we like questions. I promised that we'd answer every question no matter how stupid, <laughs> much to my chagrin, because you've got some questions for us, Jackson. I do. Okay, so first question from Matt Pedgett. Um, who would win in a fight, Terminator or Robocop? Morals are off. Is it just one Terminator? Uh, yes, this is one Terminator versus one Robocop. Is it the... Which Terminator is it? It is the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. From Terminator 1 or Terminator 2? I He says Arnold Schwarzenegger. I guess the, if morals the, are off, it doesn't matter, because the only difference is the Terminator 2 one doesn't kill, uh, which would be a difficult thing with Robocop. Um... I assume it would be Terminator 1, Terminator. So, Robocop is not immune to bullets. Like, he's a cyborg. Doesn't but Robocop get kind of They almost him, kill him in the first movie. The T-1000, or T-whatever it is. No, not T-1000. The, the, the Terminator. T-100, the, yeah. Is, like, it's got skin, but underneath it's a giant metal skeleton that never stops. Like, you can shoot it a thousand times, it's not going to care. Because it's made out of some weird, like, titanium alloy that didn't exist in the 80s when Robocop was birthed. Um, so I'm going to go with Terminator, 100%. Robocop wins, Robocop's the hero, Terminator dies in the end. No. I mean, <laughs> like, in the story, yeah, that's obviously what happens, but I think realistically, there's no yes, chance okay. that Robocop would win. I mean, the Robocop. Robocop's not an idea, Robocop's a person. <laughs> gonna stamp down on that right now. Yeah, he's Murphy. Like, you know, there's not... Robocops. We're not going off canon of the uh, one true Robocop movie. There's Robocop. He's one man. I, like, I kind of like that new Robocop movie. I didn't see it. Good choice, though. <laughs> it's not that good. Anyway, solve that one. Let's move Next on. Next question. You're going to do all the questions. Okay. With so little coming out between now and the end of the year, what are you looking forward to in the meantime? Jackson? Do we exist... I... Let me. Okay, let me turn this around. Let me ask you a question. Do we exist in a world... Where there are not <laughs> games coming out? Yes, but also no, because I have no idea if a thousand games are coming out before the end of the year, or no games are coming out before the end of the year. But, I could believe either one. But, but there are there's always games. Dozens of games all the time. Child of Light comes out next, this week. I want to play it. Uh, and that's the, like that's just like a big release. Like there's always freeware interesting stuff there's cool stuff I on played itch.io sleepy time the other day that was great uh there are infinite games forever i will never run out so the idea of being caught up on games and like not having anything out and not sure what to do but also the implication that i am looking f like like in the meantime i'm gonna play old games i'm looking forward to playing uh the wolf amongst the walking dead when those seasons are over because i'm waiting um oh I think this is okay. This is probably. Hang on, I'm reading this question again, and I'm confused. It means what we're looking forward to that's coming out at the end of the year, right? Just in in between now and the end of the year. Okay. Yes. What games are you looking no forward to? I don't know. I genuinely. What's coming out? I have no idea. I'm I looking mean, forward to Persona Q. Yes, I'm looking forward to Dancing All Night. Um. Blackwell's out. I just haven't played it. I'm looking forward to Gravity Ghost. I'm looking forward to that Spider-Man 2 game. Oh, you not the Amazing Spider-Man 2 coming out this week. Shut up. But, no. <laughs> but the, the that weird Kickstarter thing. I'm, I mean, it could I'm be really terrible. looking forward to Hyperlight Drifter. 
Yes. I'm looking forward to the next Samogo game. The guys who made Device 6, they're working on something. Uh, whatever it is, I want it in my eyeballs. I, you do. Unless it's a <laughs> unless it's a horror game. Outrun 3D. Game of the Year 2014. Saying it now. You're not wrong. I'm excited. I say There was that Kickstarter a while back that I was like, that's the best idea ever, but they could totally make it the worst. I Yeah, I... We're not going to talk about that, but I, I fell on the side of that looks awful. Like, it's an it's, interesting idea, but it would never be executed well. You're not wrong. It just hit that part of my brain. Mostly because Jets are ready in the future, you have to say that word, and then I'll believe any lies you sell me. Next question. I think we answered this one. I think you did. Uh, if you had no budget limits, what kind would you make, and what would set it apart from others? What kind of game would I make with infinite budget? Infinite money. Um... Man, I don't... I feel like any game idea... Okay, so I have a really dumb idea that I've had for years, like a decade. But it, it like I feel like any game I'd actually make wouldn't be the kind of game that would be constrained by budget, necessarily. Because I feel like I would want to make really small games mm -hmm. anyway. Um, but I did have a weird, awful idea once for like an open-world like street racing drifting game. Roughly based on Tokyo Drift. Oh, really? You don't say? Yeah, because it's everything I'm into. But the idea would be like you'd be you and your like you'd be in like a race team, but you'd also be like a dance troupe, and you would go to the various clubs around Japan at the end of the end of the millennium. Back when so you just wanted, back when Japanese thought... clubs were important, and you'd go into these clubs and you'd have dance battles that were like para para style. And if you don't know what para para is, it's the best Bimani game. Just look it up. Uh, it's great. It's impossible to find arcade cabinets of it in this country, but they're awesome. And uh, you would dance to a bunch of Eurobeat music, like the stuff that's an initial D, if you don't know. And then you'd like how well you did in the dancing would re like reflect how it, good the music was when you're driving. So you'd just be if you did really well, you'd be dan like driving to this pulsing music as you're racing people to next locations, drifting through like neon soaked Tokyo. It is basically a game made only for me. And my friends. Well, yeah. It's a what if I made a game that combined video games and my two favorite movies, Tokyo Drift and Step Up. The, like, I thought of this before Step Up I knew was a thing. I just like bracing Eurobeat and Para Para. It's good. I'm, yeah, I'm into this. This is, this is a good idea. These are life interests, not just movie interests. It's true. <laughs> Drifting is a way of life. What is your game, Jackson? Is it I mean, just like a ska band simulator? Shut up. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, it, it, I mean, like, yeah, if I was going to make games, they'd probably be small ones that budget wasn't a fact. But if someone gave me a bunch of budget and said, go make a video game, it'd probably be a really ambitious, but also, like, really systems-heavy JRPG, I assume. I think that's what I would do. Okay. With a with a bunch of budget, that's what I would want to spend the budget on is getting all the assets to make a ridiculous systems RPG with a bunch of content. Uh, my other like less realistic actually answer than the driving dancing game is a game with the scope of La Noire but the mechanics have gone home. Yes, where if you're gonna hire every person in the world to make that world, yeah, like, it would be infinite time to make that because the whole point would be a city where crime happens that you have to solve, but you can interact with every object and piecing clues together actually involves piecing clues together, not finding no. the three shiny objects. 
the game would not be a crime game. That would making that about crimes would be the least interesting way to make. I want game. a detective game though. Uh, you're not wrong. Because Gone Home I... at its core is a detective game. You're you're detecting narrative pieces. No, because when I think it is a detective game, but when I think of detective games or a game, if if you say detective games, what I would want that to be is mostly about the interviews and the motivations of characters and working out which one did what. The actual forensic clue getting is a minor part of what I consider to be integral to something that is role playing a detective. I dis I I don't necessarily agree. Fair. You may have watched less Law and Order than me. That's I, I've watched a couple episodes in my lifetime. Okay, yeah, from about thirteen to sixteen, I watch Law and Order every night. So really, what I <laughs> just I, I want from. like Phoenix Wright, but where everything is real and not a visual novel, is what I, this a... basically boils down to. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, this is that ended up being far more fruitful discussion than I thought it would be. Next question. Okay, you're given the impossible task of making a good Superman game. How do you, I should credit these questions. Uh, Michael asked the um, with so little coming out one. Uh, Nick on Twitter, who we both know. I'm just going to call him Nick. Yeah. Because Nick knows who he is. Also, I like to insult him a lot because he's cool. Uh, he asked the budget question. Uh, and this one's by is... Brian. Okay, Brian. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're you're given the impossible task of making a good Superman game. How do you do it? I don't know. Because as professional game designers, the obvious are... solution is the the health. You know, like the old thing is the health bar is the city, not Superman, because he can't have a health bar because he's Superman. But then they did that with the Superman Returns game, and it was terrible because it's one long escort mission, basically, where the you're escorting the environment through people trying to destroy it, and games aren't very good about protecting things by any normal definition you're going completely the wrong direction for this no i'm just saying what doesn't work um i think i would make a game like a like a like a one person diner dash like a management game okay yes no okay in fact you're going in exactly the right direction (laughs) where you have a bunch of things you need to do and it's impossible to do all of them and you just have to juggle the timers to try to do as much as possible and you'd always fail it's always it's like the tetris thing it's always just gonna fall apart at some point uh but instead of actually falling apart you just like have a death toll that like on the bottom that would slowly rack up as your failures happened and you just see like your superman avatar get sadder and sadder because you can't actually lose because superman can't die no one's going to put him in jail. He's Superman. But you just you just feel the crushing weight of millions of people. Kind of like DEFCON, really. Yeah. I would I would put a bunch of mechanics in as uh, you as a news reporter trying to figure out the most... Like, using your news skills to figure out the most efficient ways to schedule your saving people time to try to get them... Like, you give people all these mechanics to, to find out information for scheduling how to be a superhero... And obviously you still can't do everything, but you let people try and then they'll fail. But an action game is not the answer. It will never work. No. And if you give us a game that is an action game on its face, we will immediately suggest the complete opposite genre. (laughs) Uh, Next question. Also from Brian. Uh, Also from Brian. Is there a way to make Sonic relevant in 2014? Oh, you skipped one. You skipped one. I'm not in the... Oh, you're not... Shit, there are four. Three. Three. Four tweets. Okay. Three questions. Sorry, I didn't realize you were in the middle. Yes. 
where exactly does the anti-Nintendo vitriol in the scene in the community come from? Nintendo doesn't make games for the average game person who is used to being coddled by companies who are marketing directly to them. That is the actual answer. Yep. I mean, Nintendo doesn't really know who they're making games for right now, and that's why they're in financial trouble. But even when they were super successful and everyone was hating on the Wii, the reason why wasn't because the Wii games were shit. It was because Nintendo wasn't making games for the game consumer. Like, the people who make this podcast listen to this podcast. Yeah. I I also think there's probably an element of the fact that they are still making Mario games, Zelda games, Metroid games. Sure. And haven't done anything new in forever. But, you know... But, in the broad sense, it's actually because they're just making games that are way more broad and accessible and not marketed anywhere near, like... But uh, at the same time, like, the reason why those are the same is because every time they rope in a new generation of people with them... Yeah. They're not, I mean, they're not for, look, like, deep down, they're really not for people who've been playing games for 20 years. They're just not. They don't make games no. for that person. But you look at Zelda specifically, and I, I, I guess, like, yeah, specifically Zelda Skyward Sword or something, and compare that to how Zelda was 20 years ago. You, there is a shift. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, no, that's why. That's right. I mean, but those are specific game problems. I think that's different than the general feeling about Nintendo. Oh, no, totally. Reggie is about kicking ass and taking names, and Nintendo are about making games. I don't know if you knew that, but they are. I know. I have a lot of Nintendo (laughs) games in my life. (laughs) I have a Wii U. I'm one of the four. (laughs) Have a Wii. Okay. Last question. How, How is that? No, there's three more. Oh, you've got some I don't have. I got I got two you don't have. Okay, I'm excited. One's a joke. Brian's one's first, though. Brian one first. Okay, is there a way to make Sonic relevant be in 2014 beyond hardcore fans and kids? Uh, no. They don't have to because those are enough to sell Sonic. I don't know why it has to be for more people. That's a good point because loads of games have just been like, we have our audience and we're making it for them. Also, Sonic was never relevant outside of Sega's giant marketing push in the 90s because Sonic was never good. Shots. They're not even shots anymore. No, because I feel like every <laughs> smart accept- person knows this. It's accepted fact. You run into the spikes and you go, "Fuck! Why am I playing this?" Like Sonic Rush and Sonic Advance, the portable games were really good. Uh, I played a lot of Sonic Adventure Two, despite it not being very good. Uh, but that's about it. Like the the Genesis Sonics are not even the best Genesis platformers. That's Rystar. The only suggestion is that their dumb anime music has to get way more dumb and way more good. Yeah. Uh, I hope they continue to do that. I think Sonic should be a really good animated show that has game tie-ins that nobody plays over the age of eight. And that's fine. Yeah. Sonic just becomes the new Adventure Time. I mean, Adventure Time's not really for kids. I mean, it is, but... I that No, Adventure Time's really not for kids. It's for everyone, but it, it markets itself as a kid's show. <laughs> for people who were once kids which is a very hard thing to market so give me these surprise questions jackson they're not gonna okay breck do says um uh, were video games invented or discovered um <laughs> so games have been around as long as civilization i feel like it's part of our socialization that we create games just generally the video part just emerges from the ether like as like the stirrings of what would eventually become the singularity these are the kicking of the baby in the digital womb coming forth. 
games have to be invented because uh, play is the natural thing that we all do, and then we invent rules discovered. to abide by. I, I vote discovered. discovered. I think this is the first rumblings what will become our robotic overlords. I th- I think games are. I think games must have been invented because they are. I mean, it's discovered because it comes from a natural human urge to in- engage in play with others. But sure, if you want to give this a real to- answer. I'm, you started giving it a real answer. No, so my I, answer I, was never real. <laughs> my I answer was be... that it's the stirrings of the singularity that it emerged from when we created digital things. The game, video games just rose out of the ether. That's you, not a real st- answer. That's me giving st- a stupid okay. question a stupid answer. <laughs> ether threw me off, but you started going that, well, games are a thing that we needed to do because we're humans. And I'm like, that sounds like... Oh, you. no, it's it started on like a sane predication, but no, I just went off the deep end because it's a dumb question. I tried to ignore you okay well this is great <laughs> good job <laughs> um, final question from Alex have you ever had an experience where an omnivorous player brackets hardcore player close brackets refused to play a game you recommended highly a hardcore player is not an omnivorous player because the people who would self identify as I'm a hardcore gamer would not play everything you're, there you're are right. plenty of games that'd be like, I'm not playing that. That's a kid's game, or that's a game for girls, or that's a game for I adults. think hardcore is a meaningless word now. Oh, I know. It has no meaning. Wait, this person, who apparently sounds like a wrestler, is totally not omnivorous. What was the actual <laughs> question if we sidestep my semantic arguments? Have, we refu- have anyone refused to play a game that you recommended highly? I don't recommend games to people directly that often, actually. Because I feel yeah. like most of the people I know kind of pick up games on their own and they kind of follow eventually like you just follow the same people i do so you hear about everything (laughs) yeah and we recommend games to each other but we're so omnivorous it doesn't really matter much it's like oh we'll get to that sure whatever i mean we're not actually we just we have lists longer the the games that we are on our will you should see my desk my desk is just overflowing with games i haven't even touched i've got a bag of ps3 games it's embarrassing okay so the ps3 experience is Mistakes were made. Mistakes were really made. I basically bought all the PS3 games that I'm going to want to play. I have a bunch of them in a bag. It's ridiculous. It was like 25. Oh my god. <laughs> I I acquired a lot really fast, but I didn't no, buy I them in groups it. like that. I just... I don't know what happened. I just woke up one day and then I had a bunch of... Yeah, it was dumb. Um, I'm going to play Pain one day. God, you're terrible person doing awful things to yourself no i can explain pain that was because i was in the shop and yakuza 3 was there in the 2 for 20 section and there was no other game to go with it and i was like i guess pain will do i'm not getting uh, assassin's creed 4 i would have that wasn't i would have probably gotten assassin's creed 4 so would i that was in the two that was that wasn't that cheap yet okay (laughs) yet uh yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I've ever like said someone should play something they flat out refused. But like I said, um, I don't. I don't suggest games a lot. I feel like most of my friends actually don't play that many games at all, so they're not really people I'd consider gamers. I, I guess there've been a couple. I, I get a lot when I go on with someone for ages to play something and they play it about four months later and then really like it, stuff like that. But not, not really that many stuff. Nah. Most, yeah, not really. 
Well, we sure ended that one on a whimper. Good job, Jackson. Should have switched the two around because yeah. video games being invented, we could edit that. No, we're not. No, okay. Because I'm editing we could this lie. segment and I refuse. You're, you're... Okay, this actually segment has become substantial. Yeah. We should wrap this fucking shit up. No, Ace okay. Combat's... So next month, it's Jackson's choice because I feel like I've been steamrolling these lately. You picked a you game really of your childhood. If you can call something that came out four years no, ago your childhood. No, 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 no. That's not my, that's my t- teenage years. It's all childhood to me. It is a childhood, uh, but I don't want to think of childhood games. I don't know. I hey, I've been inflicting games of my childhood on you for months now, so I think it's only fair that you accept this. No, I'm just thinking that if, if we're doing a game from my childhood, we're playing all the, we're playing Tony Hawk's. That's where this goes. Oh. No, Crash Bandicoot's my childhood. What are you talking about? Okay. But the bad ones. I never played the first ones. Um, yeah Ace Combat 6 is a flight game because it's the 6th game in the Ace Combat series and it has an amazingly it's it's real good it has a, it has it's the last of the Ace Combat Ace Combat games with those ridiculous stories I appreciate I, that you got a PS3 and we picked the like last 360 game that we probably are going to play well I came to you and was like I've got a PS3 now and then you were like oh cool I was thinking about doing Ace Combat <laughs> I bought it months ago when you said you wanted to do it yeah, and now I have to... Yeah, which is fine. I'm always out to play more Ace Combat. And actually, it turns out that we should do this recording after the 29th or 26th, I think it might be, of May, because that's when the PS3 free-to-play Ace Combat Infinity comes out, and I want to try that. Okay, yeah, we can do that. I mean, we'll probably just do it like that Tuesday, or probably that Thursday or something, because I don't want to... I still want to get it out relatively on time. Yeah, they will... We'll get it done. We'll figure something out. Okay. I'm ending this podcast now. Wait, no. Because we're going You out. shut up. We're not done yet. Do we have to plug? Yeah. So, okay. next month, Ace Combat 6 for the Xbox 360. I promise this is the last time we'll do a 360 game only. Probably. I think. 360 only? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to play um, Symphony oh, of the Night we're on doing, We're doing Symphony of the Night. We're doing Res. That's on PS2 and uh, Dreamcast, technically. Um... <laughs> At some point. Uh, we're Abnormal Mapping. You can find us at AbnormalMapping.com. If you're listening to this and it's not on iTunes, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, if you're on <laughs> iTunes, rate and review. You can find Jackson at Tylea002. You can find yep. me at LitRock. You can find Abnormal Mapping at Abnormal Mapping. You can send podcast <laughs> questions to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitch at twitch.tv slash abnormalmapping. <laughs> and you can find Let's Plays and the entire archive of Read for Speed at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash abnormalmapping. I'm Check doing Let's Plays of the Blackwell games right now. Uh, I've been kind of dodgy putting them up, but I'm doing them. They'll all be up there eventually. Uh, I think they're pretty okay. So maybe listen to those. Let me know what you think. Sign into the abnormal mapping Foursquare and There's tag no us. abnormal mapping Foursquare. There's no abnormal mapping Facebook. There's no abnormal mapping uh, Pinterest. Yep, Pinterest. Yeah, anything else? Can you? We're think on of Google any Plus, other? sadly, because we needed it to have a Gmail oh. and a YouTube. But don't follow us on Google Plus. That's stupid. Because <laughs> then you have to have Google Plus and then reevaluate your life. Uh, that's all the places you can find us. Uh, we're on the internet all the time. Uh, we'll be back next month with shooting things as far away from this podcast as possible. I hope you've had a good time. Uh, go play some video games. Christine loved ones if you haven't. Uh, other cool things if you have. See you around. Uh-oh.
Thank you. 